Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Jesus, you made the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silenced me. Jesus, Jesus, you made the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you. Come on, let's give him some praise right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, there's not like you. There's not like Jesus. Lord, we thank you for these moments. God, we thank you for this moment right now where we can come together. God, and just put it, put aside all the cares and the weights that would be on our life. And just get our eyes off that and our eyes on you. And I thank you that there's power in that. And I thank you that there's so much power in that. God, we need this moment. God, we, Lord, as much as we are giving you glory and honor and exalting your name in this moment, we need this moment. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. Just uh, grab your seats right where you're at. Um, how many of you guys glad you came to church this morning? Come on, about eight of you. Come on, how many of you guys glad you came to church this morning? Come on, I saw one young lady who me and my wife love dearly. Uh, she was coming in this morning to this service, and uh, she had been on a trip. And I was like, hey, welcome back. I was like, when did you get back? She goes, I just drove in from L.A. from the airport. Come on, somebody. Come on, that is awesome. Come on, seeing people coming and excited to meet with Jesus, excited to meet with their church family. So, so awesome. You know, and I want you to know that as your pastor and as this incredible team up here and so many people serving the children and serving in different areas, we do our best every Sunday uh, to create a, a space, to create an environment for people to come in and encounter Jesus, to know his love, and to understand that he has an incredible plan for your life. How many in here right now would say, man, I realize that God has an incredible plan for my life. Come on. Come on. Some of you, you're still in process. That's okay. And the thing is, is as, as soon as you get to that place, that man, this is the plan that God has for my life. It gets better and better and better and better. And so we do our best every single time to create a, a place, an environment for people to come in. And so I want to thank you for being here today. And specifically as uh, today we wrap up our This Is Us series. Uh, that we've been in for la the last 10 weeks. I believe this is week 10. Uh, talking about the church and what the church biblically should look like and what the church could look like globally. So no matter what church you go to, you experience those things. It's in scripture, what the church should look like and what the church should be. But then also intertwining in this series, some of the things that, that makes us canvas church. And you see some of those things up here, passionate, restoration, generous, fun, relational. And some of these things that we just value so much as the body of Christ and as an expression of, of, of his church here in San Diego. And, and so we've been going through this series talking about the church. And as we were getting ready for this last weekend and wrapping it up, because we're going to start a whole new series next weekend that will take us through Christmas. And I was doing my best just putting, uh, I would say pen to paper, but I don't do it that way. It's all digital. I'm putting finger to screen doing my best to say, God, what do you want to do this weekend? Come on, I got to come up with a great message. I got to come up with something just meant to end it big. I'll be honest with you as your pastor, man, I do my best every weekend to just, just bring what I believe God's saying and do it with passion. 
But I'll be honest, sometimes I'm like, you know, man, I got to get a little more creative here and I got to do this here, you know, man. I got to reel them in and then wham! I'm just being honest with you. Um, and so I was, just, I was just studying and doing my best and getting ready. Like, God, what do you want to do? And actually getting ready weeks ago for this conclusion. Really been wrestling back and forth. And, um, and the Holy Spirit just asked, is it, Ben, what do you want to, to see accomplished? So I was like, well, I want you to be glorified. I want your presence to show up. He's like, okay. He's like, do you need to preach a great message for that to happen? I'm like, maybe. <laughs> oh. So, Ben, you know those things you do every three months called worship nights? And I'm like, yeah, those are awesome. He goes, why do you reserve what happens there just for a worship night? If that's, if, that's, if that's your church, then let's do that on a Sunday morning. I'm like, okay. But when do I get to preach? <laughs> he said, Ben, you're missing the point. Like, you want my presence to show up. I'm there. I'm there. Because see, church, worship is a huge part of what the church does. Worship's a huge part of what the church does. Look, look what we just did for the last... 20 so minutes isn't like a like a precursor to something better that's going to happen throughout the day it isn't like a warm-up it's not like hey let's get stretched out okay now here comes the word but sometimes i feel like i treat it that way but no what we're doing actually what we just did for the last 20 minutes or so actually means more to god's heart than when i preach because preaching is for us it's to edify us, encourage us, build us up, equip us, and challenge us, and sometimes correct us. And then we, we go out and we, we do the work of ministry. But what we just did for the last 20 minutes, this thing called worship, praise, glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that's for Him. Like what we just did is, is probably the most important part of Sunday. Check this out. This is what the, the, the word worship means. The word worship means to honor. It's the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for God. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's what we're doing. Now, I know some of you are like, well, pastor, you know, songs and music, that's not just work. There's other forms of worship. Absolutely. Romans chapter 12 would make it real clear that the way I, I live my life is worship to Him. But that does not negate the fact that what we just did for the last 20 minutes is absolute worship. Matter of fact, as you read through Scripture, what you're going to see is that throughout Scripture, they used songs and music to praise and worship and glorify God. Throughout Scripture. Matter of fact, check this one out. I love this. This is Psalm 150. Psalm 150, the whole entire chapter. Listen to it. This is how it starts out. Hallelujah! This is what it is in context. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Come on, how many of you guys have seen God move powerfully in your life? Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant greatness. Praise Him, and now look, I love this. Now it switches in verse 3 and it says, this is how we're going to praise Him. Praise Him with a trumpet blast. That's the only trumpet sound I can do. And I don't even know if that's a trumpet. Might have been a trombone. I don't know. Praise Him with a trumpet blast. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with a tambourine and dance. Come on, somebody. I know some people are, I'm up here worshiping and you see me trying to dance. That's my dance. That ain't me trying to dance. 
That is my dance. So what's that dude doing up there? I'm praising God. Come on. Praise him with the flute and strings. Come on. Praise him with resounding cymbals. I love this next one. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Come on. Listen to this verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah! That's Psalm 150. And it says, hey, here's how we're going to praise him. We're going to praise him with musical instruments. Now, I know some of you are like, well, nowhere in there does it say drums, Pastor. Nowhere in there does it say electric guitar or piano or synth. And nowhere in there does it say fogs and lights. Excuse me, it was called incense back then. Come on, somebody. The reason it doesn't say fog and lights is because they didn't have it back then. But believe you me, if David had access to fog and lights, it would have been going off in the sanctuary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if he had a piano, he would have put the harp away. Come on, man. What's it saying? It's saying this might not be the only type of worship, but it is a great part of worship and praise. When you begin to sing and instruments begin to play, man, our eyes are lifted off our circumstances and our problems and our, our eyes are put on Him because here's what the church understands about worship. They understand Psalm 22, that He abides in the praises and the worship of His people. See, we've been talking about the church. The church understands that God abides in the worship and the praise of His people. The word abide, it means to dwell in, to marry in the word picture as you studied out is this is as we worship and praise him we create a throne for him to come and sit in so when we've been doing for the last 20 minutes the reason some of you kind of felt your spirit lift a little bit the reason some of you kind of felt some weight come off of your life when we were worshiping and singing and we had words up there to help you get on the reason you felt that is because you were creating a space for him to come and sit down in your life that's what worship does. The church understands that when we worship, he abides right there in the worship and the praises. He's enthroned there. He's married into there. And let me tell you something. When God shows up, everything changes. When God shows up, everything changes. See, I've always looked at it this way from a young age is that because we talk about praying and prayer is powerful, that conversation with God. But what prayer does, prayer brings my request to God where worship brings God to my request. And both are important to lift up my needs to him, but also just to say, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to worship God. And as I worship God, I understand something significant and powerful is going to happen. He's going to be exalted. He's going to be lifted up on high, but I'm creating a throne for him and he can't resist it. And he comes and he sits in it. The church understands. The church understands this. Let me just give this to you real quick. And we're going to go back into some moments of worship. This is like, this is like lab day in science in high school. Right? I don't know about you, but man, you know, sitting there listening to lectures. Oh, but when it was lab day, we're cutting open a frog. Hello. Done and done. Right? We're just, we're cutting up a frog today. feeling that? 
Man, this is so much better than the first service already, isn't it? I mean, the first service was good, but this is, man. Here's what you need to understand. This is, there's three specific things that I've always seen in Scripture that happen when we worship Him. It tracks Him to us. Three specific things that I see that happen in those moments. The first one is this, is that when you worship, it wins the battles that you find yourself in. It wins the battles that you find yourself in. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, Jeff mentioned it last week or the week before, and he talked about, in the middle of worship, he just talked for a minute, and he, he mentioned King Jehoshaphat, who was, uh, if you read Second Chronicles 20, you'll see that he's about ready to go into battle, and he's worried about the battle. Anybody ever find themselves worrying before? And maybe we can have someone go throw on the house lights, because I can't see hands, and we're going to pray for some people a little bit, if someone could throw on the house lights. But you found yourself in a battle before, maybe in a battle you didn't know how it was going to work out. You didn't know how this was going to happen. I've been there before. King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter, he's, he's there. And he prays. And God shows up and says, here's what you're going to do. Now he's probably ready, like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, we're going we're gonna to set some stuff up over here. We'll put some bows and arrows over here and some spear throwers over there. And then we'll, we'll rush him with the swords and we'll get him. And he's sitting here waiting and God says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put the worshipers out in front of you. And of course, all the military guys are like, yes, great plan. They get slaughtered first, gives us a cushion, love it. Great plan. Great, that's, that's why Jeff goes before me in the service. Because if I ain't feeling it in worship, I'm slipping out and I'm like, you on your own, bro. <laughs> it's awesome. So far, we're doing all right. Come on. I mean, think about this. They're going into a battle. And they're like, okay, what are we going to do? God, help. God says, here's what I want you to worship. What? What kind of a plan is that? I mean, are they? Like, do I have any football fans in here? Any football fans? Just raise your hand to appease me and say you are, okay? All right, perfect, right? That would be like on Super Bowl Sunday. Like the underdog. It's like, we're probably not going to win this. Coach comes in and goes, guys, I got a plan. Here's how we're going to win today. We are going to put the cheerleaders on the field. Followed up by the band. Everybody's going to be like, what? That's how, that's how silly this plan was. But the Bible says that when they begin to go out in front and they begin to worship and they begin to put their eyes on him rather than their eyes on them, when they begin to fix their eyes on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, they begin to worship. The Bible says that God began to set ambushes up for the enemy. And the enemy got defeated. Not because of a guy carrying a sword, not because of a guy carrying a spear, but because people said, I'm going to worship in the midst of this battle. And because they worshiped in the midst of the battle, the battle was won. See, some of you are fighting something right now. And you've been battling it out. You've been duking it out. And you've been thinking you've been, been doing it the right way. And God's saying, son, daughter, stop. All I want you to do right now in this moment is I want you to worship. And I'll, I'll take care of the battle. I'll take care of the battle. Worship wins the battle that you're in right now. But it doesn't just win the battle. Worship produces results in your life. Worship produces results in your life. In those areas where you've been fruitless, in those areas where you don't feel like you've been able to produce something, you've been barren in your life, worship 
produces fruit. Worship produces results. Check this out. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, verses 1, 2, and 3. I'll paraphrase it. It says, hey, I want you to sing. I want you to worship, O barren one. You who have been childless, you who have been able to, not, not able to produce anything in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to worship. I want you to praise. I want you to get your eyes off that, and I want you to get your eyes on me and watch what comes from you. And I can't help but think and rewind back to the book of Samuel and think about a great king named David who was commissioned to bring what was called the Ark of the Lord back to the great city. The Ark representing the presence of God. And man, you, 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 you track this thing, it's unreal what they did. They would carry it for a distance and they would worship. They would carry it for another distance, they would worship. We're talking, it was a journey but they worship the whole way back. They get back to the great city. They come walking in and David, man, just unhinges himself. And he's going berserk. And he's worshiping God with everything he has. His wife, the Bible says up in the house, looks down from the window. The Bible says that she despises David in her heart. And if you read it, it says from that moment, she became barren unable to produce she was fruitless but the great prophet Isaiah comes along on the scene and says hey you who have been fruitless and unable to produce I want you to sing I want you to worship Is somebody with me right now wins the battles that you're fighting produces in areas that you've been unable to produce you don't need to rack your brain any longer. You don't need to try to strategize it, try to figure it out. Here's what you need to do. You need to shove it all aside and lift up your eyes and begin to worship Him. Wins the battles that produce results. This is one of my favorite ones. The third thing I believe worship does is the presence of God shows up. It breaks the chains that have us bound. I'm going to read this one to you. It breaks the chains that have us bound. This is one of my, my favorite stories in all of Scripture about a guy named Paul and a guy named Silas in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, two great figures in the New Testament. Paul and Silas are, are, are just commissioned to go and, and, and share the love of Jesus with people. And so they're just being the church contagious and sharing the love of Jesus with people. And, and they get wrongly accused of some things and arrested. And they get thrown in prison. Now my wife and I had the opportunity the last summer to go to Rome and visit one of the prisons that, that it was said that Paul and uh, Peter actually were both held in at one, one time. And we saw that hole and way down in there and gave me a whole new vision of what a prison looked like back then. If you study this out, you understand the prison they were sitting in was a hole and it was down. And there was no way out. Oftentimes it was like the overflow of the water, the cistern, the sewage would just come rushing by them. This is where they're sitting. On lockdown, chained up. says this verse 25 says but at midnight how many guys are thankful for the butts of the bible they're on lockdown they are chained up they're in a bad situation but at midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god what were they doing they were bringing their requests to him but they were also worshiping and bringing god to their request 
They were not just sitting by complaining about their situation, worrying about their situation, thinking about their situation. They said, you know what, this is bad. Only only a couple things we can do. Let's pray and let's worship. The Bible says they began to pray at midnight. And they began to sing and worship. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. Come on. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Are you seeing this? He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, when you learn the power of worship, when you learn that worship breaks the chains off because you've created a throne and he comes down and he sits and where he sits, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is no chain. There is no prison. There is no bondage. There is no addiction. There's only freedom. He's there. Chains are loose. Doors are opened. But it wasn't just them that were set free. It was everyone in their sphere of influence. Hey, come on, what do I need to do to have that in my life? The Bible says that man and his whole entire household were saved because the church understood the power of worship. See, some of you find yourself right now bound up with something. Some of you find yourself right now chained to something, bound to something, imprisoned by something. And here's what you need to do. You just need to worship Him. You need to worship Him. See, some of you are worrying through your problem, and God is saying, I want you to worship through your problem. See, too many of us, man, we look at the problem and we worry through our problem, but the Bible flips it and says, stop worrying about your problem. I want you to worship through your problem because when you worship through your problem, come on, chains are broken off your life. That area that you felt barren, now you're free to produce. Come on, that area in your life where you were fighting the battle. Come on, the battle is won. Some of you need to get your eyes up right now and begin to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and see victory begin to happen in your life. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.